This is a real thing. Hello, and welcome to the Super Culturama StarCast, sponsored by Chickadee Titicaca. Chickadee Titicaca, makers of America's quality toilet papers, E-Crisis, Breezeway, and Gazebo, America's foxiest wipe. I'm Jeff Collins, and with me today is my special guest, world-renowned pastry chef, Gerard. Jeff, thanks for having me uh, on on the program. This is a, it's a very foxy, foxy setup that you have here. Thank you. We're very fortunate uh, to have the uh, st- the studio here and to be able to have a series of uh, world-renowned guests such as yourself. Well, thank you, Jeff. That's uh, very kind. Uh, today on the on the Starcast, uh, we have some pre-selected questions for Gerard. Uh, they have been statistically calculated for maximum effectiveness. Wow. And uh, they've been called from our vast archive, so really, they're great questions. They're great questions, and, and people have probably been uh, eagerly anticipating the answers. Unfortunately, the archives go back about 25 years, so... Wow. Wow. yeah, They might have forgotten to ask the question. So the sooner we get to the questions, the better. Yeah, well, well, yeah, let's not waste any more time on Jeff. Right, so we have 10 questions for today. And question number one, is pastry always shrinking? Well, Jeff, uh, pastry, uh, it's the foxiest segment of the food industry. Uh, Approximately 38% of all food consumed is pastry. Uh, Nothing extra or weird is needed, and that's that's the beauty of it. That's what drew me to pastry. Now, I noticed you avoided the use of the term shrinking. Uh, Isn't it true that shrinking is an inexact science? Uh, Is that really a question? Actually, that is a question. I phrased as a question, but I mean, I, it's uh, kind of an odd. Well, that uh, wasn't question. one of the pre-selected questions. That was my. Yeah, that was. Let's you're just, just move, throwing that in there. That was that was a little strange. Let's odd. just move on. Uh, okay, I, I threw me off. I'm sorry. Let's move Jack. on to question two. That'll okay. be more appropriate. Okay. Is there a type of pastry made by boiling water and butter? Uh, that's uh, that's a proprietary secret. I'm uh, Jeff. I'm not here to reveal. Uh, any trade secrets to alienate fellow pastry uh, chefs. Uh, I'm not going to end up like that magician on Fox. And, and we all, this is something, Jeff, this is something that we talk about amongst ourselves, but we really, we don't really share this with the general public. Well, maybe you can clarify something for me. Uh, isn't butter usually considered an unusual farm product? Jeff, people love the churning. You know, it's funny, I love the churning too. Uh, so let's move on to question three. Okay. What are churros made of? Churros are actually made of churro. Uh, some of the better, uh, you know, the, the best churros are actually made with their whole churro churros, uh, as opposed to what you're, you're probably used to, the churro extract. Okay, now, your response confuses me. I'm, I've read that the churro is listed on the Endangered Animals Register, and now you're telling me that the best churro pastry is made from the entire churro? Well, you know, using part of the churro wouldn't really, I, it wouldn't really uh, be any more, uh, how shall I say, helpful, if you will, than using the whole churro. Uh, I, that, that would be wasteful. And, and that's going to be revised soon anyway. There are great uh, churro farming advances. Uh, it's a very strictly supervised industry. And, and, and it's, Jeff, it's boxing. Fox, that is uh, definitely good to hear. Uh, question four. Can I substitute regular salt in a recipe calling for kosher salt? Oh, I think my mother would have you by the neck. Um, I mean, that, that's 
just kind of my gut reaction. Uh, if it, if you don't need the finished product to be kosher, uh, you can probably get away with that. It's uh, it's not that big a substitution. Um, but uh, obviously, if you're going for uh, a kosher end result, you're going to have a problem. Well, actually, that brings me to uh, my follow-up question is, isn't kosher subject to rabbinical legislation? Well, uh, you'll run into that if you're going to submit your finished pastry to a, a rabbinical council. That's not the, really the case with most people. Uh, so I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. It's more, uh, it's just, you know, it, if you know that you have to make something kosher, then, uh, you know, then, then you'd stay with the kosher salt. If you're going for something... It's just going for something kind of foxy, foxy, foxy. Uh, you know, Jeff. Uh, then don't worry. So and much. let me just remind the uh, listeners that that was a, another great question answered by our special guest, world-renowned pastry chef Gerard. Uh, with us here, a special deal. We're really, we're really lucky um, answering these 10, 10 questions today. This is great. Uh, these are good questions. Uh, good questions and. Uh, um, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting the next... Uh, the next five. Next, Yeah, we're, we're at the halfway point, Jeff. We are halfway through. Uh, question number five, in fact, is uh, how do you adjust a cheesecake recipe for high-altitude cooking? Well, uh, once you get above 5,000 feet, which is what would be considered high-altitude, you're basically uh, you're finagling with the, the liquids uh, in the recipe. Uh, so you're just going to um, adjust that. Uh, just, you know, it, it's... It's foxy. Foxy. Well, isn't cheesecake believed to have originated in ancient Greece, and what was the altitude there? Uh, Jeff, the altitude there, they're right at sea level, so altitude wasn't really uh, an issue. They were probably making a lot of adjustments just because they were, you know, uh, just like a trial and error kind of thing. Uh, Not a lot's known, really, about the ancient Greek contributions. Uh, It's just based on some drawings. Um, That leads very naturally into the next question. What is the origin of all pastry? Jeff, that's, that is not a simple question because there, that's, that's one of those things uh, that you've got two uh, diametrically opposed theories, I would say. Not a lot of crossover. There's kind of a creationist theory uh, embraced by the more conservative pastry chefs that the uh, pastry as we know it, uh, that there was no trial error process, that there uh, simply... You know, the recipes were there. They were created as we know them today. Whereas there's also a more evolutionary kind of theory. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's a very controversial issue. It's, it's you know, just there's not, not a lot of room, not very foxy. So would the evolutionary theory of pastry uh, hold that the Greeks obtained pastry technology from apes? Well, um... It's like with anything, Jeff, uh, when there's not the knowledge, uh, we have the amazing uh, capacity to fill the gaps with uh, some very imaginative theories, apes, aliens, um, other cultures that mysteriously died out, that sort of thing. We really don't know. You know, as I read this sequence of questions, I'm reminded again how these questions were selected specially for you, our pastry expert, and how naturally they flow from one question to the next. So listen to the the next question is, where can one find information about the history of pastry? Well, Foxy Foxy. is as Foxy does. Uh, I would recommend a trip uh, for anybody who cares in the least bit about pastry. 
Um, I would recommend a trip to the Pastry Hall of Fame, the National Pastry Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown, New York. Uh, it opened in 1939. And um, no, wait, no, wait a second. The, in Cooperstown? Yes, Cooperstown, New York. Okay, so I was I was just in Cooperstown recently, and I saw, of course, the Baseball Hall of Fame, but. Um, somehow I missed the Pastry Hall of Fame. Well, uh, baseball's been trying to squeeze us out basically uh, since 1939. Uh, we opened our doors um, about a week before uh, they did. And, uh, you know, that uh, that week was the last time we basically uh, were able to uh, exist in, in Cooperstown without uh, the attempts to squeeze us out. Uh, baseball's they've gotten they've, they've got the antitrust uh, status they've always gotten preferential treatment from the government um, and then local government you know prevents us from putting any signage up basically the only national hall of fame and museum in cooperstown that can have signage is the baseball hall of fame that really hurts us that does sound unfair and i i, I hope uh maybe our listeners will help Further the cause that you know that that would be foxing. Fox. Uh, let's just move on to question eight because that topic is so rich we could have a whole uh, podcast. That could be another it. yeah. Gotcha. Um, question eight. I recently was invited to a cocktail party. Please define cocktail attire. Well, that's uh, that's easy. Uh, Jeff, you could probably answer that question as well as, as me. Uh, you just basically uh, you you go through your clothes. You look in your closet. You find that outfit that says Foxy. Foxy. Um, yeah, but would you recommend something that's waterproof? Personally, yes. Uh, or at least water-resistant. Uh, uh, that's the sort of thing that's gotten me out of many awkward situations, Jeff. Yeah, me too, actually. Uh, we're down to the last two questions, wow. uh, just, uh, just to keep track of time. Ooh, we're receiving some sort of transmission. Um, Was that the question coming in? No. Question number nine. (laughs) Um, What kind of t-shirts do you like to wear? Uh, Cotton. Jeff, cotton is just so foxy. Foxy. Um, Do you like to wear t-shirts printed with colorful bunches of eggs on them? Well, uh, that depends. Uh, Not the kind of thing I would do necessarily for myself, but... That's that's something you might do for for someone else. Uh, maybe uh, depending on, you know, maybe if you're invited to um, some sort of event that that was appropriate for, or you know, you know how it is, uh, Jeff. But yeah, I can think of a couple of occasions. Um, question number ten, and our final question today for Gerard, uh, world-renowned pastry chef. What kind of hose do you wear with red shoes? And Oh, this is actually a two-part question. Oh, okay. That's okay? well, yeah, fine. Yeah. And what kind of hose do you wear with red shoes? And is it ever appropriate to wear black? Well, um, I'm gonna say no on the black with uh, red shoes. It's not foxy. Foxy. Uh, there's one exception. That's if you're going to uh, some sort of costume event as Minnie Mouse. Other than that, Jeff, not the way to go. Uh, yeah, that's. You know, almost every other combination works, but the, the black with the red shoes. Now, this reminds me. This reminds me of a question that is of personal interest to me. Um, what if your favorite pair of hose has mildew stains? Wow! Uh, and this is this is so this this pair of hose is so foxy, foxy. Uh, very so foxy, amazing uh, that you they're they're 
too foxy to replace. Yes, you just can't get the Basically, too foxy for stores. Um, wow, I really don't know. I would have to research that myself. That's an excellent question. Well, maybe the next time you're on, uh, you can answer that question. Jeff, for us. you know what? If I'm back on, I will have the answer to that question. That's what I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear that from guests. Um, well, anyway, we are out of time. Wow, that uh, time flies. Um, I want to thank again our guest, Gerard. Well, thanks for having me, Jeff. This was a great time. World-renowned pastry chef. And uh, I would like to remind our listeners that the Super Culturama Starcast was sponsored by Chica de Titicaca. Chica de Titicaca, makers of America's quality toilet papers, E-Crisis, Breezeway, and Gazebo, America's foxiest wipe. Fox, I'm Fox, Jeff, Fox, Jeff Collins, and thanks for listening. <laughs>